section twenty of history of henry the fourth king of france and navarre by john stevens cabot abbott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter eight the league part one about this time there was formed the celebrated league which occupies so conspicuous a position in the history of the sixteenth century henry the third though conscious that his throne was trembling beneath him and courting now the catholics and again the protestants was still amusing himself day after day with the most contemptible and trivial vices the extinction of the house of valois was evidently and speedily approaching henry of navarre calm sagacious and energetic was rallying around him all the protestant influences of europe to sustain in that event his undeniable claim to the throne the duke of guise impetuous and fearless hoped in successful usurpation to grasp the rich prize by rallying around his banner all the fanatic energies of catholic europe henry the third was alike despised by catholics and protestants his brother francis though far more impulsive had but few traits of character to command respect he could summon but a feeble band for his support henry of guise was the available candidate for the catholics all the priestly influences of france were earnestly combined to advance his claims they declared that henry of navarre had forfeited every shadow of right to the succession by becoming a heretic the genealogy of the illustrious house of guise was blazoned forth and its descent traced from charlemagne it was asserted and argued in the pulpit and in the camp that even the house of valois had usurped the crown which by right belonged to the house of guise under these circumstances the most formidable secret society was organized the world has ever known it assumed the name of the league its object was to exterminate protestantism and to place the duke of guise upon the throne the following are in brief its covenant and oath the league in the name of the holy trinity father son and holy ghost this league of catholic princes lords and gentlemen shall be instituted to maintain the holy catholic apostolical and roman church abjuring all errors to the contrary should opposition to this league arise in any quarter the associates shall employ all their goods and means even their own persons unto death to punish and hunt down those opposing should any of the leaguers their associates or friends be molested the members of the league shall be bound to employ their bodies goods and means to inflict vengeance upon those thus offending should any leaguer after having taken the oath withdraw from the association under any pretext whatever the refractory member shall be injured in body and goods in every manner which can be devised as enemies of god rebels and disturbers of the public peace the leaguers shall swear implicit obedience to their chief and shall aid by counsel and service in preserving the league and in the ruin of all who oppose it all catholic towns and villages shall be summoned secretly by their several governors to enter into this league and to furnish arms and men for its execution oath i swear by god the creator touching the evangelists and upon the pain of eternal damnation that i have entered into this holy catholic league loyally and sincerely either to command to obey or to serve 
i promise upon my life and honour to remain in this league to the last drop of my blood without opposing or retiring upon any pretext whatsoever such was the character of secret societies in the sixteenth century a more atrocious confederacy than this the human mind could hardly have conceived it was however peculiarly calculated to captivate the multitude in those days of darkness and blood though it first formed and extended secretly it spread like wildfire through all the cities and provinces of france princes lords gentlemen artisans and peasants rushed into its impious enclosures the benighted populace enthralled by the superstitions of the church were eager to manifest their zeal for god by wrecking the most awful vengeance upon heretics he who for any cause declined entering the league found himself exposed to every possible annoyance his house and his barns blazed in midnight conflagrations his cattle were mutilated and slain his wife and children were insulted and stoned in the streets by day and by night asleep and awake at home and abroad at all times and everywhere he was annoyed by every conceivable form of injury and violence soon the league became so powerful that no farther secrecy was needful it stalked abroad in open day insulting its foes and vaunting its invincibility the gigantic plan it unblushingly avowed was to exterminate protestantism by fire and the sword from france then to drown it in blood in holland then to turn to england and purify that kingdom from the taint of heresy then to march upon germany and thus to advance from kingdom to kingdom in their holy crusade until protestantism should be everywhere engulfed in blood and flame and the whole of europe should be again brought back to the despotism of rome the duke of guise was the soul of this mammoth conspiracy though philip the second the bigoted king of spain was its recorded commander-in-chief the protestants were justly alarmed by the enormous energy of the new power thus suddenly evoked against them the pope though at first hostile soon with his cardinals espoused the cause of the league and consecrated to its support all the weapons which could be wielded by the vatican from france the demoniac organization spread through all the kingdoms of europe hundreds of thousands were arrayed beneath its crimson banner even henry the third in the louvre surrounded by his parasites and his concubines trembled as he saw the shadow of this fearful apparition darkening his court he immediately perceived that he must mount the car or be crushed by it adroitly he leaped into the seat of the charioteer and seized the reins the demands of the league he adopted as his own and urged them with energy he issued a proclamation commending the league to his subjects and announcing that he to set them an example had signed its covenant and its oath the duke of guise and his followers were quite bewildered by this unexpected step the league had demanded the assembling of the states-general a body somewhat resembling the congress of the united states the king immediately summoned them to meet they declared war against the protestants the king adopted the declaration as his own decree and called loudly for supplies to prosecute the war with vigour he outleagued the most violent of the leaguers in denunciations of the protestants in declaring that but one religion should be tolerated in france and in clamouring for arms and munitions of war that heresy might be utterly extirpated 
the leaguers thus found to their great perplexity the weapon which they had forged wrested from their hands and wielded against them they had organized to drive the imbecile henry the third from the throne he had seized upon that organization and was using it to establish himself more firmly there the situation of henry of navarre was now extremely critical pope sextus v besides giving the league his papal blessing had fulminated against the king of navarre the awful thunders of excommunication the bull of excommunication was exceedingly coarse and vulgar in its denunciatory terms calling the king of navarre this bastard and detestable progeny of bourbon henry replied to this assault in accents intrepid and resolute which caused catholic europe to stand aghast henry said this bold document by the grace of god king of navarre sovereign prince of bearn first peer and prince of france resists the declaration and excommunication of sextus v self-styled pope of rome asserts it to be false and maintains that mr sextus the self-styled pope has falsely and maliciously lied that he himself is heretic which he will prove in any full and free council lawfully assembled to which if he do not consent and submit as he is bound by the canons he the king of navarre holds and pronounces him to be antichrist and heretic and in that quality declares against him perpetual and irreconcilable war this energetic protest was placarded in most of the towns of france and by some fearless followers of the prince was even attached to the walls of the vatican the pope though at first much irritated had the magnanimity to express his admiration of the spirit manifested by henry there are but two princes in europe said he to whom i could venture to communicate the grand schemes revolving in my mind henry of navarre and elizabeth of england but unfortunately they are both heretics. End of section 20